0: Welcome to the Gateway Church podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Well, good morning, Gateway Church. How are we doing this morning? So good. It is good to be here with you. I do want to say hello to anyone who's watching online and our friends over at the Tempe campus. We are so glad that you're with us this morning on our Independence Day weekend, so uh, you guys are like you guys are the the, the true churchgoers. You're going to come to church on a holiday. It's amazing. Uh, it is so uh, it is so good to be here with you. It's good that you are here as well. Uh, my name is Matthew, and I am a pastor uh, at Gateway Church over in our DFW uh, Metroplex area in Dallas, Texas area. And uh, yeah, thank you. It 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 feels like family already being here. Uh, and my hope over the next few moments is that not only can we feel like family but I hope that we become fast friends. Uh, And I hope that we can just have a conversation this morning uh, centered around the life of Jesus and the life that he has called us as followers of Jesus uh, to to live. And so uh, my wife and I were talking on the way over here, um, on the plane right over here, just the gift that it is to be here with you guys this morning. I'm such a fan of your pastor and your team, and I'm such a fan of you guys as a church and what God is doing here. And so uh, I just consider this a gift, so thank you for allowing me the opportunity just to share with you guys over the next few moments. Like I said, it is Independence Day weekend. It is 4th of July, and I just think of where we're at as a country and and how far we've come as a nation, this great nation, and yet how far we have to go as well. We have come so far, but you know, uh, just like me, that we have a long way to go as well. And I think about my, my life and my own journey and the process that I find myself in as a disciple of Jesus. And I, and I think of how far I have come in my own journey and yet how far I still have to go in what Eugene Peterson calls the long obedience in the same direction. I know there's times in my life that it has felt very long in this obedience and sometimes the same direction feels monotonous in my life, but it's so Good And it's so rich this life of Jesus and I don't know where you find yourself in this journey of faith I don't know if you have been a a follower of Jesus for five days Or if you've been a follower of Jesus since you were five years old I don't know where you find yourself in but I do know this I do know that no matter where you find yourself on this faith journey whether you have just newly accepted Christ. Maybe uh, you are, don't even know where you stand on this faith journey, and a friend brought you here this morning and just said, hey, listen, I'll buy you lunch if you come with me to church. I don't, know, uh, I don't know what that looks like, but I do know that we're all here in this room and at our Tempe campus, or for those that are watching online, I do believe that God has something for us this morning. And so my prayer for us as fast friends is that we can lean in to what God has for us this morning. If you're taking notes, uh, go ahead and write these two passages of scripture down or you can turn there if you have your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of John chapter 15 and the book of Mark chapter 12. Uh, if you're new to church and you brought a Bible that a friend gave you, or you brought one on the way over here, like, where is that? It's going to be somewhere towards the back of the, light, the latter half of your Bible, but that's okay if you don't have your Bible. Uh, the scriptures are going to be here on the screen as well. Also, if you are taking notes, uh, the title of the message this morning is, What Gives You the Right? What Gives You the Right? And if you want, you can write it in all caps to make it extra aggressive uh, this morning. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the gift that we all have to live in this great nation, God. And God, I pray over the next few moments, you take these ordinary words that I'm about to speak, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you just breathe life onto them. And it's in your resurrected name, I pray. Amen. Some friends of mine have uh, a podcast that I like to listen to on a regular basis. And one of the things about this podcast that they have is they have some very interesting uh, and dynamic people that, that they interview. Uh, phenomenal pastors, authors, speakers, uh, teachers. And, and one of the things that they do at the very end of this podcast that I love is, is they will often ask, uh, if, if something were to happen and all of your life's work was erased... Whether it be um, all of your messages, all of your books, your teachings, whatever it may be, all of your life's work was going to be erased. What's the one thing that you would want to remain? What's the one message, the one book, the one piece of work that you have, that you've created, that you would want to remain, that will just, it's kind of your life message? And I love this question that they ask because it always, uh, always kind of stumps the people of like, oh man, if I, if I could only pick one thing, what would that be Well here in the book of John that we're about to turn to in John 15 This is one of Jesus' last messages that he speaks before he goes to the cross It's one of his last messages and what I love about this book is that uh, in scripture everything matters Everything is important every detail every placement of a story it matters and so when we look at the life of Jesus After he's done his ministry and he's about to go to the cross, the one thing that he wants to leave his disciples, his followers, all who are listening, and even us here today, is this message that we find in John chapter 15. You guys may have turned there already. I told you to do that earlier, and I didn't do that myself. But we're going to read in 15, we're going to read verse 12. Jesus says this, my command is this, love each other Fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, to love each other. Go ahead and turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter uh, 12. We're going to start in verse 30. One of the teachers in Jesus' day, he asks Jesus a question. He's basically asking him, hey, of all the commandments, which one do you deem the most important? And Jesus says this in in verse 30. This is his response to that question. It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So we have Jesus in John chapter 15 giving one of the last messages he's about to speak before he goes to the cross. One of the last things that he wants to leave his people is for them to love one another. And then we have a teacher back in the day, a religious leader back in the day, asking Jesus of all the commandments, which one do you deem the most important? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul and all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. It feels like one of Jesus's life messages was for us to love one another, was for us to love our neighbor as ourself. And it seems very simplistic, if I'm honest. It feels very basic. My soccer coach growing up always used to say, hey, Matthew, just stick to the basics. Simplicity is genius. But oftentimes, although it seems so simple, it's actually very hard. If it was that simple, I think our world would be a much better place, don't you think? If it was so easy for us to do and for us to grasp, things would actually be a lot more easier in the world that we live in today. It's actually quite hard. And oftentimes, the thing that I find about this message that Jesus has given us to love one another or to love our neighbor as ourself, the hardest thing uh, for us to grasp oftentimes is how can we love our neighbor as ourself if we don't truly love ourself? I think the problem with this message that Jesus has given us is not so much the loving the neighbor part, we can do that, but how do we truly love our neighbor as ourself? How do we extend grace, love, and mercy to those around us if we don't know as followers of Jesus how to fully live in the grace, love, and mercy that Jesus extends to us every single day? See, oftentimes we, we talk about when Jesus says, I have come to give life and life more abundantly, we often think that abundant life happens somewhere else when we die, that that's when we get the abundant life. But Jesus came to offer us that abundant life right here and right now. And I believe we step into the fullness of the abundance that Jesus has called us into when we experience and we walk in the grace, love, and mercy that he has so kindly given to us, that he gives to us on a daily basis. It's hard to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's hard to extend that grace, the full grace, if we can't experience it fully for ourselves. See, we can't give to our neighbor what we don't have for ourselves. A, a glass can only spill what it contains. And so if we don't fully understand that or have grasped that or are walking in the fullness of it, then we can't fully extend it to the people around us either, to the people in our own homes, our communities, our workplaces, our schools, wherever we find ourselves. In John 19, we read John 15. In John 19, we have Jesus on the cross. And Scripture says, as he's hanging on the cross, that he he bows his head and he lifts his spirit and he says, it is finished. See, Jesus came to do what Adam could not do. Jesus came to redeem and to restore. Jesus came to show us what the Father was like. Jesus came to teach us a new and a better way to be human and he hangs on the cross and he says it is finished all of that grace all of that love all of that mercy is for every single one of us every single one of them every single one of us here in this room or online or at, at our tempe campus it is for us that he extends to us on a regular basis In uh, about 2018 I was sitting in my counselor's office and as our session was coming to a close, uh, he takes off his glasses, he places his his yellow notebook to the side, he uncrosses his legs and he leans forward and he looks me in the eye and he says, Matthew, I I feel like you have a problem with the cross. I was like, "Mm, no, (laughs) no, Jeremy, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that I do. And he said, "Yeah, buddy, I think that you do." Which immediately I'm like, one, don't tell me I'm wrong. Uh, two, Jeremy, don't call me buddy. Uh, uh, three, how dare you? And I said, um, obviously, I had me have some trouble with pride. We're working that out too in counseling. Um, but he said, he said, "No, I, I think you do." And then he says this what gives you the right and the audacity to live as if the cross wasn't good enough for you? He says it's arrogant and it's borderline heretical. And just that statement alone hit me like a ton of bricks. And before I could even give a response, he's like, and that concludes our session and you can go out and see Cindy and she'll schedule your next appointment in the next couple of weeks. I was like, awesome, Jeremy, you are one of my favorite people right now. Not at all. I remember driving home and I was so irritated, my soul was irritated, because those words felt like sandpaper to my soul, because he was right. I looked at times in my life and seasons in my life where I had lived as if the cross wasn't good enough for me, that it was good enough for the person. Uh, on stage at church, or it was good enough for uh, my, my wife or my kids or for my friends. It was good enough for everyone else, but it wasn't good enough for me. And I had to think about how prideful and arrogant that statement was. And so when I think about us in this room and in the room you find yourself in, are we living a life as if the cross wasn't good enough for us. And I hope over the next few minutes that we can walk out viewing ourselves just how God views us and taking God at his word and living in the abundance that he offers us so freely right here and right now. You know, in the book of Genesis, those of you who've been in church for a long time, you are familiar with this story. It's in in Genesis chapter one, we, we know the story. God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man and he creates woman. He creates the animals and the trees and all of creation he creates. And then scripture says that God looks down on all that he created and he calls it good. The first word spoken over all of humanity, all over me and all over you is God saying it's good. And we know the story in Genesis 3, uh, in in my Bible, the the, the heading on it says the fall. In Genesis 3, basically, God creates all the heavens and the earth. He creates man and woman, and he tells them, hey, you can eat uh, from, you can basically a free roam of all of this that I have created. You can eat of anything you want, but I'm going to ask you this, this tree over here, hey, stay away from this tree. Don't go near this tree. And we know the story. They they zero in on this tree. It's like my son when I'm like, hey, buddy, hey, please don't jump on the couch. And he's like, you mean this couch? As he's like jumping up and down. Like, yeah, yeah, that couch. Awesome. Great listener. They zero on this tree and we know the story. They take a bite from the fruit. And it's in that moment that sin enters into the world. God's perfect peace, his perfect shalom has been disrupted. And scripture says, that they run and they, and, they, and they hide. And that God comes down from heaven and he says, he's, he's wandering the garden looking for Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? Which I love this detail about this story by the way, because it, it doesn't tell of a story of a God who's sitting up in heaven with his arms crossed thinking, I told you, what are you thinking? You've messed up now, Adam. No, the scripture, the detail that, that God wants us to know, that the writer wants us to know, is that God wanders the garden, asking, "Where are you?" He's not pointing his finger; he's asking a question. And Scripture says that Adam and Eve come out, and they say, "We we were we were hiding ourselves because that we were we were naked," and and God asks this question that is so profound. He looks at them and he says, "Who told you you were naked?" which I believe the the deeper, more spiritual question that he's asking is, who shamed you? Who lied to you? Whose other voice have you been listening to that has caused you to live beneath the story that I have written for you, that I am writing for you? Who has called you to live less? The reason why I believe that we are telling this story now in 2021 is because this Adam and Eve story is not a story that happened. It's a story that happens. Their story is our story. We've all taken a bite of the fruit. We've all fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all known what God has called us to do and then yet we do the opposite. Their story is our story. But what I love so much about this story is this, is the redemption of God, is what Jesus did for us on the cross. See Genesis one happened, Genesis three happens. And what God and Jesus did for us on the cross was to come and redeem and restore all that happened in that story. See, oftentimes what I have found in my own life and in people that I talk to is oftentimes we begin our story in Genesis 3, where sin enters the world, where the fall happened. But friends, I've read this book and our story actually begins in Genesis 1 where God looks down on all that he's created and he's called us good. Why do we begin our story in Genesis 3 when our story begins in Genesis 1? See, I believe that when we shift our perspective that yes, Genesis 3 is true, but the truest thing is Genesis 1. See, oftentimes we, have say, that we say this in our life, I've said this many times before, of I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner saved by grace, and although that is true, friends, I believe the truest thing about me and you this morning is that we are saved by grace and we sin, that we are saved by grace, but yet we still sin. One I believe is true, but the other I believe is the truest thing about us because it goes back to the root of who God says that we are, the identity spoken over us as men and women, as children of God, that we're good, that he calls us good. My hope and prayer for us this morning is that we will begin to live our life like our story begins in Genesis 1. And you may say this, well, Matthew, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know the argument that me and my spouse got into before we came to church this morning. You don't know the things I've done or the things that I've said. And although that may be true, I may not know your story, but I do know that God does. And yet he still has a plan and purpose over your life. I think of the story of Peter in scripture. Many of you may may be familiar with this story, but Jesus tells Peter um, that he's going to deny him three times. And Peter is like, no, not me, God. God. Not me. Jesus, I would never do that. There is no way I'm ever going to do that. And we know the story. The story goes that, sure enough, Peter denies him three times. The Messiah, the Savior, the person he has spent the past several years with. And Peter denies him. And after uh, Jesus is, is crucified and after the resurrection, Scripture says that Jesus is with the disciples on the beach. And he pulls Peter Aside. I can only imagine this moment, the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment that Peter must find himself in as he's walking with Jesus, the person that he denied, that he swore he would never do. And Jesus pulls Peter aside and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, yes, Lord, I, I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. Tend to my lambs. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you you know all things, these things. You know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Three times Peter denies Jesus. And three times Jesus affirms Peter. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Great, let's forget all that. We've got work to do. Hey Peter, do you love me? We've got work to do. Peter, do you love me? We've got work to do. Are you gonna partner with me in the ongoing creation of the world or are you gonna continue to live in the past? because we have work to do. Friends, can I just be the friend from Dallas, Texas to remind my Gateway family here that as long as there is breath in your lungs, it doesn't matter what you did five minutes ago or five years ago, it doesn't matter your past. What matters is that there's breath in your lungs and that you were created by a holy God on purpose and for a purpose And church, we have work to do. Can you imagine what would happen if we went to our workplaces? Taking God at his word when Jesus says, it is finished. Can you imagine if we lived like we actually believed it? But some of us are still so caught in our guilt and our shame. I think of the woman who is caught in the act of adultery. Scripture says that she's caught in the very act of adultery, which I have some questions for the people that caught her. What were you doing? <laughs> All right, like, you ever read scripture and you're like, whoa, 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 that's a little weird. We're not going to focus on these guys here strange she's caught in the very act of adultery they drag her in front of people she's naked and they drag her before Jesus and they say hey Jesus the law says to stone her but what do you say scripture says Jesus kneels down in the sand and he's writing something in the sand scripture isn't really exactly clear what he's writing but it does say that he says let he who cast the first or let he who is without sin cast the first stone, and one by one, these men holding the stones begin to drop them, and they walk away. Jesus looks at this woman, and he says, woman, where is your accuser? She says, they're gone. He says, well, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. When I read that story, I think so much about this woman who was probably embarrassed, who was naked in front of all of these people, the embarrassment, the shame that she must be feeling, and, and Jesus says, hey, just go and sin no more. I think, God, okay, Jesus, what are, but she's naked, like what about her nakedness? But I believe that if Jesus could free her from her shame that her nakedness would be irrelevant in that moment because she is free from her guilt and she is free from her shame. I think that there are many of us in this room that God wants to free us from the guilt and the shame of our past so that we could live in the abundant life that he offers every single one of us. See, we can't live in the fullness of what Jesus is calling us into until we make peace with our past, peace with ourselves and receive the grace and the forgiveness that God extends to us so that we can do what Jesus calls one of the greatest commandments and to love our neighbor as ourself. See, I believe forgiveness is actually the easy part. It's accepting that forgiveness and moving on, that's the hard part. But I believe that we as a church, we still have work to do. One of my favorite things as a dad is to put my three kids to bed. Uh, when they were younger, we did this a lot more often. We, we do it from time to time now. But what I love about bedtime is, uh, is not just after they go to bed, that my house is a whole lot quieter when they're sleeping. Um, it's our bedtime routine. It's after they've brushed their teeth. They get their pajamas on. We say our prayers and, and, and we bless them before they go to bed at night. But one of my favorite things is getting the last words that we get to speak to them as, as, as mom and dad is we get to speak life into our kids. We get to tell Parker and Sloan, my oldest daughters, my son, Roman, my youngest boy, we get to tell our girls, hey, you're the best big sisters in the world. Roman, you're the best little brother in the world. They, uh, they do chores, and so we'll be like, hey, you're the best dishwasher in the world. Hey, the way you do those cartwheels or those back handsprings or those cheerleading moves, you're the best at it in the world. And we're just pumping them up. We're just hyping them up as parents. But what I love is I get to look at my kids and I get to tell them, I am so proud of you. And I am so proud to be your dad. That there's nothing that you can do that's going to make me love you any less. And there's nothing you can do that's going to make me love you anymore. I love you and accept you exactly as you are. Are. And the thing about this bedtime routine is whether my children have had good days or whether they've had bad days. Some of you parents in here know exactly what I'm talking about about these bad days. Lord Jesus, help us all, we know those bad days. No matter if they've had a good day or a bad day, what we tell them at night always remains the same, that we are so proud to be their parents that we are so proud of them. And there's nothing that, we, that they can do that's gonna make us love them any less, nothing they can do that's gonna make them, make us love them even more. Because we want, no matter the day, we want our kids knowing that they live in a place where they belong, they're accepted, they're valued, and most importantly, that they're loved. See, some of the things that happened during that day, maybe they were disobedient. Maybe they talked back. Maybe they had to get sent to their room a few times. Maybe there was some discipline that had to take place. Maybe those things are true, but I want the last words spoken over my kids before they go to bed is the truest thing about them, is that they're good, is that they're loved, and it's that I'm proud of them. Some of us in here this morning need to hear those words spoken over us this morning. And I believe that if we lean in and if we listen, God is speaking that to every single one of us. What I found oftentimes in my life is that this grace, this love, this mercy that we talk about oftentimes when I'm sitting with, with people who aren't followers of Jesus or who are who aren't a, a part of the, the, the church, the, the capital C church, uh, they, they don't have any kind of spiritual life, whatever it may be. Oftentimes when I'm talking to them about this grace, um, they don't have a hard time believing it. They're kind of like, man, that feels like too good to be true. If you're serious, I want some of that. I can think of countless conversations over lunches or coffees that I've had where people are like, if you're for real, then I want some of that. If that grace applies to me, I'm all in. Oftentimes non-believers don't have the problem with grace. Oftentimes it's Christians who have the problem with grace. The sad thing is I've seen, is not only do we have a hard time for it ourselves, but we do have a hard time accepting it for others. Uh, The gift that 2021 has brought us is a lot of uh, cultural phrases, a lot of fun things. I say that um, tongue in cheek, but one of the things that is big in 2021 right now that I keep hearing a lot, I heard a lot about it in the beginning of the year is this phrase cancel culture. You guys familiar with, uh, with that? My mom likes to talk about it a lot on Facebook. <laughs> this phrase, cancel culture. Everyone's getting canceled nowadays. And, and what I've seen through social media is the, the, the majority of people that have this issue with cancel culture oftentimes is followers of Jesus, and I totally get that. But if I'm honest with you, church, that the times that I first heard about cancel, cancel culture before it was actually labeled that, I heard about it and felt it in the church. Oh, see, that, that, uh, that person, yeah, yeah, they, uh, they're kind of doing their own thing right now, and so they're not really allowed in our community group at the moment. Cancelled. Oh, I don't really agree with the way my brother or sister in Christ is living, and so I'm going to choose to disassociate myself with them for a little bit. They're Cancelled or I really can't believe that person has those political views. I thought they loved Jesus, canceled. And so although it's been a phrase that has become popular in 2021, I was very familiar with what it felt like and what it looked like to be canceled, especially by other Christians. And when I look at the root of the problem, it's the fact that those who are canceling others don't know what it's like to fully live in the grace and the love and the mercy that Jesus has for them. They don't know what it's like to truly walk in the love that God has displayed over them so they have a hard time loving their neighbor as themselves. We give no grace. I'm not saying there doesn't need to be accountability, but friends, what I'm saying is there always needs to be grace. See, when we as followers of Jesus choose to withhold grace from other people, we are no different than the older brother in the prodigal son's story who refused to go inside that party, who refused to uh, take joy in his brother's return. He withheld grace. What makes us any different than that person when we choose to withhold grace from other people? If I can be so um, direct with my friends in here this morning, not only what gives us the right To live as if the cross wasn't good enough for us. But what gives us the right to withhold grace and love from our neighbor and and treat them as if the cross wasn't good enough for them? We have no right, friends. And that's what I want to share with you in the most loving way possible. If a question that I would ask you, that I would ask for you to ask yourselves in this moment, if you can just take a deep breath and think of the the people in your life, think about your community, think of your own life and ask yourself that question, what gives me the right? See, if Jesus can free us from our shame and free us from our guilt, and if we can live in the abundance that Jesus has for us, then I believe when we will start to see, when we walk in that fullness, we will start to see heaven on earth. What I love about the Jesus story is that Jesus didn't come just to teach us how to get to heaven, right? He wasn't like, hey guys, like, hey, let me, let me tell you what you gotta do to get out of here someday. Right? This isn't evacuation theology, No, 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 he was like, hey, let me teach you how to live right here and right now. Let me teach you this new way to be human. Let me teach you how to walk in the abundance that my Father has offered to you. And when we walk in that abundance, when we walk in that fullness, when we walk as forgiven followers of Jesus and we extend that to the world around us, then we get to show people what there looks like here. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not only are we image bearers, but we get to show people of glimpses of heaven by the way that we live our life. What kind of glimpse are we showing them of our heavenly father? There's this quote that I love by a, a pastor named Rich Velotus, and he says this. He says, Adam and Eve hid behind a tree naked and covered in shame. Jesus hangs on a tree naked and conquers shame. The cross of Jesus is actually the great reversal. Are we stepping into that great reversal, church? Are we stepping into the freedom that Jesus extends to us? What's holding us back from the life that Jesus has called us to step into? Because if it's your own self, it's your own unforgiveness against yourself, I believe Jesus wants to free us of that this morning. Scripture says that that God casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. Scripture also says that his mercy is new every single morning. So let me ask you something, friends. Are you receiving those new mercies every single morning? Because they're available to you. If we take God at his word, those mercies are available to you every single morning. And Lord knows I need them on a daily basis. Are you receiving those? Because just because they're available to you doesn't mean that you're receiving them. My prayer is that every single morning we can receive those new mercies. Oftentimes, the thing that holds us back is our own unforgiveness, we continue to remind Jesus of the sins that he's already forgotten. As I begin to close, I end with this story. Brennan Manning, in one of his books, he tells this story of this woman who in her town, she was seeing visions of Jesus. And... And the story goes that the archbishop in the town, he hears about this story, and surely we can't be having that. So he finds out where this woman lives. He goes to see this woman, and he he says, hey, there's rumors around town that you've been having visions of Jesus. Is that true? She says, yeah, that's true. He says, okay. The next time you have one of these visions, I want you to ask Jesus the sins I confessed the last time I went to confession. Can you do that for me? She says, yeah, I, I can do that. Some time goes by and, and, and the rumor starts circulating again that she had once again been having visions of Jesus. And so this archbishop gets, to be, he gets uh, upset and he goes to see this woman again. And he says, hey, people around town are talking. Are you having these visions again? She says, yeah, yes, I have. He said, do you remember our agreement? Do you remember what we talked about? She said, yeah, I remember, and? The story says that the woman takes the archbishop's hand in hers. She says, I asked Jesus the sins you confessed the last time as you went to confession. And he said, I don't remember. I don't remember. Friends, he doesn't remember. So why do we live our life oftentimes reminding him of the things that he's often forgotten? Because I think if Jesus can free us from our shame, yes. our past, our nakedness will be irrelevant. And when we as followers of Jesus, as disciples, as we travel this long obedience in the same direction, that we can bring heaven to earth by loving our neighbor as ourself if we truly love ourselves the way that God loves us. If we can see ourselves as the way God sees us when he looks down on creation and he says it is good. Church, let's take God at his word this morning. Let's believe the creator of the universe and let's take him at his word and let's live our life as if we believe it. Amen. God, I thank you. For every single person in this room, I thank you for the story that you have written for their lives, the story that you are writing for their lives, God. I thank you that my friends in this room, that they were created by a holy God on purpose and for a purpose, God. That as long as they have breath in their lungs, their story is not over. Holy Spirit, I pray that you remind them that they are loved by a heavenly Father, that you look down on your beautiful creation and God, you call it good. That the very thing that could be holding us back to live in one of the greatest commandments that you have given to us, God, is often ourselves. So free us of that this morning, God. God, I pray that our Monday morning looks different because of the freedom that you've given to us today on Sunday. God, that no matter where people may be watching, whether they're at our Tempe campus or online, God, that they can hear the words of their heavenly father speaking so clearly and evidently into their life, saying, this is my beloved son and this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. May they walk their days out knowing the creator of the universe, God, that you're pleased with them and that you call them yours. God, we belong to you. God, today we choose to walk in the abundance that you've offered to us. We walk in that freedom. And God, we walk in your grace, love, and mercy so we can extend that to others. And it's in your resurrected name, I pray. Church, we all said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.